Hey, uh, welcome back, guys. Um, hey, re real quickly, we have a little bit of, uh, before we get into our teaching this morning, some family business to take care of from time to time. Uh, we have things that we do here that are just part of the process, whether it's dedicating babies or just praying for people or sending kids back to school, just part of uh, what we do as a family together. So we're going to do that this morning. And here's here's what I uh, I want to share with you a little bit. Uh, years and years ago, uh, John Wimber made a statement one time in regards to kind of the calling in people's lives. And he said that God, uh, we don't really ordain anybody. God does. What we do is simply acknowledge what we see him doing in a person's life. And I agree with that. I really believe if you look at scripture and then I, I know in my own life and historically, the call of God is on a person's life and they have the opportunity then to respond to that or to not respond to that. And if we respond to God's call, eventually it becomes apparent. And that's why I, I believe this morning we're going to uh, lay hands on and pray for uh, Kevin McVicker as our executive pastor here. And for many of you, that probably won't be a surprise. You go, yeah, duh, because um, Kevin has a pastoral calling on his life. And he's not only been a church planner and pastor before, but has served he and Rebecca and and really their kids. Pro People like your kids maybe more than you. I, but I understand because they like my kids more than me too, but... They're not here without you. There you go. So that's it. So we get you with them. Uh, but their whole family really ha has been a blessing and has served here at PVC uh, in a dozen different capacities over many, many years. And so uh, one of the things that we've been doing in the last uh, year or so is really just evaluating where we are as a church and where we want to go as a church. And one of the things that came up in the process of that was that... We have some really some things we do really well here, and then some things we don't do really well. And one of the things that we've struggled in is just the area of bringing some structure and bringing some formality to some of what we do, kind of channeling the presence of God and channeling the ministry of the Spirit throughout the life of the church. And and uh, that really is a strength that Kevin has. It's what he does professionally uh, with with businesses and companies has, has helped them put structure and formation to what they're doing. And so he and I have been dialoguing over the last several months, and we've talked to our leadership team and our board, and we've, we've agreed unanimously that uh, this, is, this is a good thing. It's the right thing to do. Uh, so Kevin and I will be working together along with our leadership team and our board, and, and hopefully bringing some structure and so, some new formation in life into the life of the church. So I'm personally very, very excited. I want to invite Kevin. And Rebecca, will you come too? I, Rebecca's so shy. She just doesn't like to be a public guy. But, uh, and we're just going to... Kevin is actually already ordained. Uh, some of you that have been around for a long time know that Kevin planted a, a church out of this church in North Portland years and years ago. So he is already ordained. But we're just going to pray for him and kind of install him officially as our executive pastor today. So I'm going to invite Rich and Rose Swetman are with us this morning to come up. And then if just a couple of our other leaders would, would come up with me and, and, and uh, pray alongside of us, I think that would be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. There we go. Sure. Why not? Or we could, or we could bring all those kids up here and pray. <laughs> Why don't you guys go ahead and then I'll, I'll close. We thank you, uh, Lord, for them and for the service that they provided. And we do just ask uh, for more, Lord more wisdom, more authority, more grace as they continue to serve and guide and lead us into the next phase 
uh, for our church, Lord, and what we will do. That you would continue to form a team and pull us together in a profound and powerful way, Lord, to work uh, in unity that the body of Christ might be built up and be mature uh, as you desire for us to be. Bless them richly and abundantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Rose, Rich, for being here today with us. So most of you guys know, I think, Rose is our regional overseer and uh, in the vineyard, so it's always fun when they're here with us. Uh, and with that, Kevin's teaching today. Ha-ha. <laughs> I know, it's kind of a setup. They're going to pray for me, get me all emotional, and then, okay, go teach now. <laughs> he did. Well done, well done. Okay. Hey, it works. Um, before I get rolling, I'll just say uh, it's an honor, really, to um, serve you guys to serve in this church. It's been um, It's been a great experience. So, as Glenn alluded to, we left and we planted a church. We were there for about six years. And then we came back because we felt like this place was home. This was the place where we were sent out of and it was the place where we were the most connected with the most people. And since then, there's been lots of changes and lots of things have happened, but we still feel like this is home. This is the place where uh, God has us. And, and we're super excited to serve here. So, um, With that, I'm going to talk about emotions. And today, uh, we're kind of finishing up that series. Um, I'll pray and get us started here. God, we, uh, we thank you um, for the time that we have together, the time that we have in your presence. Uh, thank you for your uh, gift of emotions to us. And um, even when, when sometimes they feel like they get in the way, God, we thank you for it. We ask that you would uh, transform our hearts and our minds today um, through your word. Amen. So we're talking about emotions. Uh, we've been talking about that for the last four or five weeks with a couple of uh, spots in between. I guess this is the fifth one of, of the session. And we talked about, um, I've got my remote controls. This is really cool. Uh, so uh, we talked about, you know, uh, emotions. And why do we talk about emotions and teach about them at church? Well, because God made us as emotional beings. He's really formed us this way and shaped us with emotions uh, in us. Uh, we also um, then sometimes get those emotions a little mixed up, and so we need to figure out how to guide those emotions into righteousness. Um, we, they, they get the best of us sometimes, and uh, emotions begin to control us. Uh, so also uh, helpful if you're in a group of people like we all are, um, that we all understand emotions a little bit better so that we can help uh, our brothers and sisters, to guide their emotions into righteousness. So that's what we've been talking about. Um, so uh, we've talked about already these, these four emotions, and I am using the ones from inside out. I, um, I did use it for sadness, but this, these are the ones from inside out. Um, we've talked about all four of these, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to recap a little bit. I'm going to add one more. So we're going to talk about these four kind of in review as we close, summarize it, and, and have one other uh, piece that we add in. So we talked about fear, about joy, about sadness, and about anger uh, over the last 
few weeks, and it's been really good. Have you guys enjoyed it? I think it's been really, I think it's been really fun. Um, it's interesting. They, you know, they released this uh, matrix too um, about the emotions, and if you if you mix these emotions up, they mean different things. It's pretty. It's kind of cool, actually. You know, if you have uh, fear with sadness, it's anxiety, right? If you have anger with sadness, it's betrayal, and they're kind of right on. I mean, some of them, you, you can kind of see how when you, when you have those emotions, when you feel uh, this hatred, it's that I'm afraid and I'm angry. Um, yeah, that's kind of true. Uh, so I thought it was pretty cool. It's a neat little matrix. Uh, there's one, if you look this up online, if you just look up the emotions matrix, um, you'll see uh, emotions matrix for inside out. You'll see there's one more in the middle, and I cut it out. It's disgust, but it also is pretty accurate in there. We just didn't cover that one because it was kind of disgusting. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, I am a dad, uh, so uh, so <laughs> we're gonna so we're gonna add one more to this mix today. We're gonna talk about love, uh, and so. Uh, you know, we talk about love a lot. Uh, that one's a pretty natural one. It's kind of all over the Bible, right? So it's a very, very natural thing for us to talk about. But I, I just want to be clear, as we're talking about emotions and I'm talking about love, I, I don't mean that we have another character in there that represents love, that has the, you know, the sort of, I love you, you know, not that sort of a, an emotional representation. It's not a separate emotion that I'm going to talk about today. Um, it's a little bit different. Uh, in, in this context. And what I'm talking about today is more this kind of love where God is love. And uh, a while back, um, we talked about love. Glenn taught on love for, for quite a, a long time, a series on it. And uh, one of the things that he talked about was that God is love. And for me, it was actually a moment where it reshaped a little bit what I thought about love, that God is love. It's not something that God um, that God represents or that God feels or that God displays. It's that that's what he is. It's the very presence of God, his love. And so with that context in it, you know, it kind of changes things a little bit. It's not just this emotion that we feel, this moment um, that we feel an emotion towards someone else. It's, it's more than that. Uh, so in this uh, passage in 2 Corinthians, I think it speaks to it really well. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. So in this context, we say uh, love changes us. Love compels us. It compels us to something uh, greater, something better. It makes us something new. It will change who we are. And I think that that's true in emotions overall, that it's not a separate emotion that we feel separate from anger, but that it transforms anger into something else. That through the love of Christ, through the presence of God, that each one of our emotions are changed. It's the overarching thing, the presence, the being uh, around us uh, that changes everything about us, including each of those emotions. So it's more like this. It's more like we have all these four emotions, and over top of this, or maybe in the midst of all of it, is love. And that as we 
as we engage in each of these emotions, that love will change them and transform them into something else. So that's, that's the main point that I'm going to make, and I'm going to look at each one, uh, and we're going to talk about each one, what we've covered, what we've talked about, how each of those emotions um, in their extreme representation get a little off kilter sometimes, and then what it looks like when those things are aligned with this love of God, when they're aligned and, and they um, are displayed through the love of Christ. Sound good? Yes. Okay. Good. Um, all right, let's roll with fear first. You guys remember? So we talked about fear first. We talked about it, so it was a long, long time ago. It was like yeah, seven weeks ago, I think, something like that. We had some in-between little guest speakers. So, um, But just as a reminder, you know, we talked about fear, if it's out of control and not this godly sort of form that, that I'm going to talk about, that, you know, it creates this life full of anxiety, this place full of worry, uh, things that, that intimidate us. We feel trapped. We feel overwhelmed. Right? We talked about all those feelings. That Those feelings are not really uh, the intent for us with God, that really it's driven through a sinful uh, world that creates this expectation uh, in us, and that fear then gets the best of us, if you will. And then fear, uh, it's rooted often in a fear of people rather than in a fear of God. We talked, talked about how fear really in its uh, in, its, in that moment, in that moment when fear is in control of you, it has captured your heart. And that's, that's a moment where uh, something not from God has captured your heart in that moment. And we want to we wanna not see that happen. Uh, in John 4.18, it says, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. This shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Uh, Look at each one of these, and I'll have a passage in here. So it's kind of a, it's a scripture-heavy teaching in that each one will have different passages just to talk about it. I'm not proof-texting as much as I am uh, demonstrating that, you know, these things are, are in the Bible. They align uh, very much with what uh, God says about each of these emotions. So in this case, it's fear, uh, saying that fear in its negative sense is really expelled by love. Um, and again, love comes in and it transforms what fear really is in that moment. And I think that when fear is led by love, it changes. And actually, I think you guys can test each of these because some of these, well, most of these, I just made them up. Um, but I think that they're, I think that they're true. Um, and then I have some passages that align with what I said. So uh, the this fear emotion, it's you know, it's led by, uh, it's led when it's led by love. From God, that we're talking about this, this love of God, it produces something different. And I think what it produces is things like humility, repentance, honor, purpose, dedication. Right? When you think about when you have that emotion of, I'm afraid of something, uh, it aligns with this thinking that, that says, uh, fear God, um, right? And, and it's giving God a rightful place of honor, right? Um, when we talk about fear and our reaction, in those things, it, it sometimes creates repentance, right? Um, I'm afraid of, of what may happen. Certainly, there's some of that. But also, you know, I think it creates this sense of humility. I'm afraid there's something bigger, and I have this sense of, of my smallness, uh, and there's a sense of humility that it produces in it, in us. Um, and I think what it does is it, that it, it acknowledges God, puts him in the proper place, kind of in control 
of our lives. So a couple of scriptures here. Um, you know, the, the one that I, that I love, I love them both, but um, the, the one that I really love in this is that these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Um, you know, the, the trembling is this sense of fear um, at, at the word of God, and the other is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So, uh, so there, there is a, an emotion of fear that's acknowledged and even promoted in the Bible, um, but it's in alignment with the love of Christ uh, transforming our hearts. You guys good? You with me so far? Okay. All right. You can say amen whenever you want. That's good. Um, <laughs> So anger, you know, anger does uh, go, go a little off the reservation all the time, right? Glenn talked about that last week, and you know, we lose control in, in those moments of anger, and it demonstrates something that, again, is not, uh, not from God. Uh, it, it's aggressive. It's bitter. It's defensive. It's feeling like I'm disrespected. You know, it's that uh, I'm enraged and frustrated and hostile and resentful, and it's not from God. But those emotions kind of represent uh, what we think about with anger, right? I get angry, I get hostile, I get really worked up. Um, Glenn talked about this a little bit, but it, it reacts. And, it, and I'd say often it overreacts uh, to what happens in a situation, and it really uh, often directs at the person, not at the problem. And, and you get really angry, you feel like, I've been disrespected, I'm going to just take it out on this person, rather than attacking a a problem and trying to solve it. So I think uh, instead, um, you know, we need to shift that thinking. Uh, it also is very self-centered. It's centered on me. What happened to me? Um, when we get angry and we respond inappropriately, it's always about me, what happens with me. Um, so this uh, is the, the passage in James that says that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become um, angry, and really it's that anger, it says that the anger of men does not produce the righteousness that God desires, right? Um, so that anger of men is what we, what we often think of. As we transform that and we engage that with the love of Christ and this presence in us, you know, it's, it's, it really drives, I think, these emotions of passion and drive and justice, and righteousness, and peace. I think those are the things that it produces in us when it's rightly coupled with uh, the, this love of God, and that it really comes from a desire to aggressively make things right, aggressively produce peace, make things right in the world, equality. Um, Glenn talked a lot about uh, being honest, staying current, attacking the problem, not the person, but my favorite little phrase was payback is a blessing, right? Um, just that, uh, that that's, you know, really a mindset that we should come at with this. Um, and Isaiah, the reason I put these passages up, in, uh, these couple of passages up here is they're about seeking justice. And, and I think that that's really the core motivation, the thing that happens in anger is that it produces this desire for justice and rightness, rightness in us. Uh, learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And then there's a bunch of passages in Proverbs. I put three of them up there because they were all right by each other, but it just talks about this rage and this uh, foolishness, and, you know, and then it, it's opposite of this sort of justice and, and seeking rightness for the poor. 
Um, when, we're, when we're in alignment with God, we produce these kinds of things with anger. It really is that motivation and, and that thing that wells up in us that says, this is not right, I need to make it right. We talked about sadness uh, and just this idea of sadness overwhelming us and, and it, it really capturing us and, and it captures this place of disappointment and embarrassment and guilt and shame and regret and feeling like you're lonely and rejected, depressed and needy, and it's, it's sorrowful, and it, it doesn't, again, reflect what God wants for us long-term in sadness. Uh, sadness is, yes, it's there, and there's a moment for it, um, but often what happens is when we feel this and are overwhelmed by it, it's that we're stuck. We're stuck in that place, and we can't get out until we get some help. We talked about just uh, that you know, it's this signal for others to help us. It's not a place to stay and to live all the time. Uh, it's born out of love and hope, and it'll lead back to ho- love and hope when, it, when it's done right, but in this state, it does not. Um, and it talks about that in Second Corinthians, that the, the kind of sorrow that God wants us to experience leads us away uh, from sin and results in salvation. Again, it, it, so there's a purpose for it in what it drives when we combine that with this presence of God and love, I think it produces something really cool. I think it produces uh, things like mercy and compassion and sacrifice and repentance and dedication. Does that resonate? When you, when you feel sadness and you feel godly sadness, you're like, I feel, I feel merciful. I feel compassion for other people. Um, it comes from this desire to see love and hope fulfilled, and, and it really does drive towards righteousness and back to love and hope in us. The passage here is just the, the second part of that uh, in 2 Corinthians. It says, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you, such earnestness, such concern and to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such a readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. You know, this, this sorrow or this sadness produces a good thing uh, in, in, the, in its godly form. Last one we looked at was joy. We didn't talk about this side of joy so much, uh, but, you know, I think there is such a thing as misplaced joy. You know, I think that we, we think about all the other emotions and we think about them as, oh, they have a negative side and we need to make sure we do it right. I think the same is true of joy. I think sometimes we can take joy and we can, one, get addicted to it, and, and two, we can kind of fake it uh, all the time, right? Uh, but also we, we mix it up with happiness and we say, well, I'm happy. That means I have joy. And I don't think those are the same. I think they're different. Uh, sometimes we find happiness in, in these... Uh, uh, temporary things and, and earthly pleasures, if you will, um, and we think of those as joy, but they're not joy. And I think sometimes we chase those things and we can, we can get stuck in it. Uh, and, and I think when you, it can also come out as arrogance. It can come out as very self-centered. I need to be happy. I need to do these things. I'm not saying don't be happy, so don't, don't get me wrong there. But I'm saying misplaced or overdone joy uh, is, is bad in the same way that uh, not all anger is bad. I think not all joy is good, right? A um, couple of passages here 
uh, in Proverbs, it says, haughty eyes, a proud heart, and evil actions are sin. Um, haughty eyes are just this prideful sort of desire to get stuff, get something. Um, and the First Timothy one, it, you know, it's one of the few passages where it uses a, a she in a negative sense, where she actually sins, so I just had to put it in here. Um, so <laughs> it's always he sinning, and it's not she sinning, so had to have some equal representation there. Here we go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ratio is probably accurate, but I'm just saying it's not very often in the Bible it says this. Uh, uh, but, you know, we talked about the joy of the Lord, and, and when Glenn talked about this joy of the Lord uh, early on, he talked about just the sense that it comes from God and it produces this adoration. I think these are the emotions that it produces in us is adoration, it produces worship, it produces generosity. When you're when you're full of joy and full of the love of Christ, these are the things that you see in your life um, that, you know, results in the presence. It, it's the result of the presence of God in us, in this Holy Spirit present in us, overflowing, and it, and it produces joy. Uh, the passage here talks about um, remaining in, in his love, but it's really with the purpose that our, jo- our joy can be made complete, and that that love drives us to a complete joy good? All right. Got a couple of amens here. Um, so, so here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind down here and say, hey, what if, we in, what if we include love in this matrix? What if we include love in this and say, how does love play out in all this uh, as we mix these emotions with everything that we just talked about? And I think it works, right? I think that when we say when we mix each of these things that, you know, that it produces uh, worship and mercy and humility and justice when you mix it with anger and fear and sadness and joy. I think it produces these good things in us. Right? The same sort of matrix applies. The thing that's, that's different in here is that when you combine love and love, I think you get love. Right? I think that's what, when you, combine, when you combine white and white, you get white. Black with black, you get black. Right? So I think it's this extreme thing that, it's not like you produce something new. I think you produce this amazing, overwhelming love. Maybe it's more lovely love. I, I'm not sure. Um, but when I look at those, you know, it reminds me of, of uh, another passage here. You know, I think that this call on us um, to, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly, it's it's God calling out to us and saying, transform your emotions. Transform the things that um, can get out of control in you and allow me to control those things. Let me come in and replace you in this. And what you will produce when that happens is you'll produce justice and mercy and humility. I think that um, the more that we allow him to come in and transform us, and change us, the more uh, we can align with these things. So it's not as much about get control of your emotions, pretend that you're happy, stop, stop you know, uh, flying off the handle, or any of those things. It's about allowing the presence of God to come in and transform our hearts, transform everything about us, including our emotions, and make us more like him. And then at that moment, we will act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And I think we also um, worship, too. Uh, 
in Corinthians here, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about um, this idea, this veil is removed. It says, uh, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's what I'm talking about, is that as, as he comes in and he transforms us, he makes us more and more like him. Uh, so not to end uh, without doing a video, I have to do one, right, one. Uh, so are you ready with audio there, buddy? Okay. So this is, let me, let me tee it up a little bit. Um, this is a spoken word, and I've, I've played these before. So this is Amina Brown, who is one of my favorites. She's fantastic. Um, if you just want to spend an hour or so crying, just search Amina Brown and play uh, all of her spoken words uh, on YouTube. Um, <laughs> the, the video is simply the words. That's all it is. It's just the words. So if you want to close your eyes and listen to it, uh, it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, and uh, it will likely impact you, uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and if you want to watch the words because it helps you focus on something, do that too. You find me. When I'm hiding behind all my disguises, you see me. It takes you to keep me breathing. You are heart, passion, vision. You send me and bring me close, 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 so close until when you look at me, you see you. You are heavenly, my present and future destiny. You are father, creator, sustainer, life changer, pride breaker. You are the same yesterday, now, and forever. You are pleasure, worth, reason, present in every season. You are worship, devotion. You are the reason for all my commotion. You are the one that I pray to can tell that I'm nothing without you. So awesome that I can even pray to you, about you, to know you, to sense you, to believe you more, to love you more, to obey you more, to give you more of my heart. Oh God, search me, know me, see me, examine me, test me, watch me, investigate me, question me, be pleased with me, have me, change me, sustain me, decrease me. Decrease me, decrease me, until there is no me left, only you, only you, only you are light, are true, are you, are hope, are joy, are strength, are escape, rescue, safe, you are peace, you are belief, you are advance and retreat of what, to what, to whom can I compare you, you are my all things new, you are my place of refuge, my fortress, my rest, my creativity in the strength of your words to me, you are my ability to see, hear, feel, move, live, breathe, be, you are life and death all at the same time, you are friend, believer, savior, redeemer, you are the truth. You transcend old age and youth. You are timeless, priceless, lightness in darkness, greatness, goodness, sinless. And in a mess like my life, you see righteousness. In fact, you leave me speechless. You alone.
So uh, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to take uh, take a few minutes to do some ministry.